So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I'm going to be starting at verse 6. So this is Paul writing, of course, and he says, The point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, he distributed freely. He gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I am always struck when I read these words and in a couple of other places when Paul is talking about giving and encouraging the, the Corinthians particularly to give, he appeals to their self-interest. Isn't that interesting? As he puts it in verse 11, giving enriches us. It makes us rich. Giving enriches us because in life you reap what you sow. It's just an axiom. Have you ever noticed that joyful, positive people tend to attract joy? They're, they're like joy multipliers. You just want to be around them and sort of catch what they've got. They've got an aura around them that's really attractive. And it's the same with generous people, you know. A, a generous person usually has a generous spirit that's attractive. Uh, not only that, but generosity is a multiplier as well. There's only so much that you and I can do. There's only so much that these guys can do individually. But, you know, when we give, we multiply what we can do by empowering others to do ministry. Now, that's not an excuse for us just to give and not do any ministry, but we can increase the ministry that's done because of the blessing that we uh, give to others. And we create an environment of blessing because of our attitude, uh, and, and there's a greater <coughs> harvest because we gave. So we want to cultivate a, a spirit of generosity. When we give, uh, we're enriched, and we're enriched in two ways. The first is, Paul says, God enriches us. In verses 8 to 11, he talks about us being enriched in every way. And in typical Paul fashion, he just heaps on all these words and ideas and, and you just sort of soak in the blessing that he's talking about. Um, God will supply our physical needs 
when we give, but he'll also multiply the harvest of our righteousness, Paul says. Now, that's only going to be attractive to you if you seek God's righteousness and being made more in the image of God. He gives us grace for every good work, Paul says. As we give with a generous spirit, God is building something in us. He's enriching us. He's, he's making us better people, uh, more beautiful people. Which is great news if your heart is to excel in spiritual things. And when we give, we're making a really powerful statement about what's important to us. You know, think about money. What does money represent? Money represents your labour, your time, your energy. It represents opportunities. There's things I can do with my money. It's a resource that takes effort and skill to gain and it enables us to do things. And so when we give that time and effort represented in our money to the kingdom of God. You know what we call that? We call that an act of worship. We are saying to the Lord that actually your agenda is more important than my agenda. Your kingdom is more important than my kingdom. You are worth this. And better believe that's something God notices. I come home occasionally, brownie point, she's not here, and I'll give my wife a bunch of flowers and her face lights up. Well, how do you think God lights up when we bring gifts for him as well? He enriches us with his grace. The second way we're enriched is actually through the relationships that we build, as we've heard this morning, uh, Paul talks about the Corinthians being blessed by the prayers and blessings of the people he was giving to. Because our money represents our time and energy, when we give money away to someone for a cause, we're not just giving that money. We're actually giving a little bit of our lives. We're giving, in a sense, something of ourselves to them pretty profound when you think about that and very often the relationship between donor and recipient deepens and the blessing flows both ways because that's how relationships work now paul was collecting here for uh, from the gentile churches to give a gift to the church in jerusalem which was really struggling at this point in history it was impoverished there was famine there was persecution the Jews, the Jewish Christians particularly, and the Gentile Christians sometimes had a complicated relationship. But in verse 14, Paul knew that giving from the Gentiles to the church in Jerusalem, the mother church, uh, would strengthen the bond between them. There'd be an overflow of gratitude from the recipients that would inspire prayer uh, and develop deep affection for the Gentile churches. It was a unifying force. In the church. And you know, that's why we don't just give to anyone uh, with our kingdom builders' offerings. We want to build relationships within the kingdom of God. And then when we give, 
God enriches us with our grace, but of course our giving enriches others as well, which really is kind of the point, isn't it? That's why we're giving. We want to see other people flourish with the blessings that we've received. Now, of course, our giving provides for very practical needs. As we've seen this morning, it enables the falconers who uh, we've recently started supporting in Mozambique to build faith communities, uh, and they're doing amazing work there. It provides medical training and support and uh, community development in PNG and Zimbabwe and Uganda through Cosmos um, and Living Child, as we've seen. Uh, it enables community and gospel transformation. It empowers communities in Cambodia to become more self-sufficient through Baptist World Aid. Uh, it enables youth care chaplains and, and fusion workers to minister to our local young people. We have a lot of partnerships there, haven't we? And so it also enriches, as well as those practical things, it enriches the joy and worship of others. And this even goes for pagans, as we heard. I'm, well, I didn't realise the state government was giving money for chaplains. They've always been a little bit careful about how they funded that. You know, in Australia, there's actually strong moves. You know, you're probably aware that there's people who just think chaplains shouldn't be in schools. Um, but actually, you ask the average principal and they'll sing the praises of chaplains because they know how powerful they are and what a difference it makes. So people on the ground really value that. And if, if that sort of non-Christians very often rejoicing, how much more Christians? Uh, how much do we cause rejoicing for God's people? So when we give, we actually become an answer to the prayer. We become a means for others to experience God's grace. And God is glorified through what we're doing. So how do we give? Well, you reap what you sow. Your generosity will both enrich others and yourself. But Paul gives a caveat in verse 7. He says, you should give as you have decided in your heart, not out of compulsion. So what does that mean? Well, it means you don't give because you feel guilty and you don't give because you feel pressured because it's giving Sunday. And so I'm going to actually give you an out today. Because if you're going to write on that card this morning or give just out of guilt, I want to give you, and this is very serious permission, I want to give you permission not to give today. Don't make a pledge just because you think you have to or because Alex will know if I don't, because actually I won't. I don't know who pledges. And do you know why I want to give you permission to do that? Because if you give out of guilt, what you'll do is you give the bare minimum you think you can get away with. And it doesn't matter how big the amount you give is. It won't be big enough to ease your guilt. It doesn't matter how small that amount is. It won't be small enough to stop you feeling resentful. So if you're in that position today, um, you have permission not to give. Verse 8 says, God is able to make grace overflow in you so that you can excel in every good work. And so what I do want to challenge you to do, instead of giving out of pressure or guilt, ask God to make you overflow with his grace so that you can excel in the grace of giving. And then as you seek God about it, 
when the thought of giving to kingdom builders actually fills you with excitement and joy and it's not a burden, then you can give with a heart of generosity and a heart of faith. And you can reap abundantly of the harvest that you've sown. And we're still going to have details on our website and the giving cards available. You better believe it. They'll, they'll be around for the rest of the year. So you can join in later. So don't give out a compulsion, but do give with joy and with faith. Um, now, this morning as we come to this giving in a moment, some of you might come and you're on a limited income and I know the economy's hard and all that sort of thing. And you'll say... And I know this because sometimes people tell me I can't give much. And I'm like, that's okay. It's, it's the size of your heart that God cares about, not the size of your offering. You remember the story where Jesus is watching people come to the temple because the Jews uh, back in his day were expected to make an offering to the temple and all the rich people are throwing money bags and, and <laughs> where they put the offering, they deliberately made it loud, right? So you put lots of money in and the... <laughs> And then this widow comes along and she throws a penny in and Jesus is like, she gave more than all the rest because they're just, they're just, they've got surplus. This, they're not feeling that. She gave everything she had. It's not the size of the offering. It's the size of the heart that counts. So you don't have to apologize if you feel like I, I can't give much. Flip side. Some of you, I hope you've been praying about this. We've been encouraging to pray into this. Some of you might have a figure that you feel a stretch and you're not sure where the money's coming from, but you really feel like God has been challenging you on this. And that's why we call this a faith promise. The challenge for you in the coming year is to pray into that. Because if God puts an impossible, and God has done this and God does this, sometimes puts impossible dreams and impossible figures in people's hearts that they don't have the resources for. And if it's genuinely from God, you know what? It's up to God to supply because you can't. And so if that's you, give boldly, give with faith and seek God for it because who's the one who provides in the end? It's the Lord. So whether it's big or small, uh, if the amount you're promising today comes from a place of faith, of gratitude to God and of generosity, then it will reap a harvest and bring a blessing. So generosity, giving, enriches us and others. And of course, we give because Christ gave everything to us. This is just a response to his generosity to us, his love to us. And so we can not only be expectant for the finances God is going to release through us, but for the grace that will abound in us as well.